I'm your host, Laura Lowen, former therapist, go-getter entrepreneur, future church planter, and throwback hip-hop lover. I want to help you implement practical steps on how to live out the abundant life. Listen in on stories of faith, hope, and inspiration as we pursue the abundant, fruitful life together. If you're ready to get cracking on personal and spiritual growth and have some fun while doing so, you're in the right place. Hey friends, what is up? All right, guys, today we have my first solo episode. Yes, you heard that right. It is me, myself, and I hanging out with all y'alls. So today I wanted to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is personal development. And I really want to take you guys on a journey from how I really started this whole process, kind of what that looked like for me, my best resources for you guys, and kind of some tips on potential starting points. So I hope you will find this interesting if you're really looking to grow personally, you know, understand more about how God wired you. If you are into a personality test and assessment, like the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, any of those, you are going to enjoy this episode. Hey, hey, friends, what is going on? All right, today we are going to do a little solo episode for you. I want to chat with you guys about personal growth and personal development, kind of how I fell into this and some tips and tricks for you guys, recommendations, and my hope is just to really have a conversation with you guys about what I've found, what's been helpful for me why I even think that personal growth and development is important and kind of how it has a place in the Christian life. So if you're new around here, uh, some of you know this and some of you don't, but I went to school to be a therapist. So it actually started back when I was 12 years old. Uh, I was living with my dad and my stepmom and my stepmom had been a professional mental health counselor for a while. And I had known that. And so I kind of had that tucked in the back of my mind as a possibility for a career. So 12 years old, I remember just having these little one-off conversations with my stepmom, Terry, and would say things to her like, I think I might want to be a counselor. And then she would just say, okay, well, here's a couple things that you could go into. So she would just you know, at a very age appropriate level, she would talk to me about how I could go into psychology or I could go into counseling or social work. And so for those of you who may not be aware, uh, to be a mental health counselor, mental health therapist, you know, the stereotypical lay on a couch and tell me your problems type deal, even though of course it doesn't usually go like that, but that, that deal, that vibe, right? You can, uh, go to college and and a four-year school, liberal arts school, and you can go into psychology or social work or counseling. Those are kind of the three main avenues that you can go into, and then you have to get your master's degree. So if you graduate with a bachelor's in psychology, counseling, or social work, you can't actually counsel people. You're not a therapist, quote-unquote. So for social work, actually, which is what I went into, you can get your bachelor's in social work, and then you can actually get your master's degree in just one year, which is pretty amazing. So that's what I did. So anyways, 
going back to sixth grade, right? So I'm 12 years old and I thought I want to be a counselor. And so my stepmom, Terry, had told me that most people go into psychology, which definitely was true. And I think still is true, actually. And so from the time that I was 12 until 18, I'd be like, I'm going to be a counselor. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And so as I was researching colleges, I knew that I wanted to go to a liberal arts school and, you know, four-year college that I could get this degree. And then in high school, I started looking at a couple different options of what I could actually get a degree in. And social work just really stood out and kind of spoke to me. For those of you who may not know, social work, the main difference between that and psychology is social work tends to focus on systems. Social work tends to focus on uh, community and really outside impacts and things like that. Psychology tends to focus more on the individual and the brain and things like that. Now, there's a lot of crossover. Certainly, psychologists and good psychologists and and good counselors and all of that, they are going to consider environmental factors. They're going to consider outside resources, especially when they're in a counseling session with someone. And certainly, good therapist who have a social work degree, they are going to focus on what's going on individually with the person, right? So it, it's more just like a framework that you're that you're working from and that you're looking towards and looking to to kind of help you navigate your understanding of humanity, of the individual, so on and so forth. So anyway, social work really spoke to me and I got really excited about that. I decided to go to Hope College, which is here in Michigan. It's in Holland, Michigan, right on Lake Michigan. And I loved my time there. And yeah, I just kept planning on this is what I'm doing, right? And so much so that then I met Jason Evan and we, you know, started dating, we got engaged. Then he had a position Uh, as a youth pastor in the suburbs of Chicago. And so I knew then I needed to look for a graduate program in the Chicago suburbs. So I found one in Aurora, Illinois, which is in the Western suburbs of Chicago. And I did my one-year program there and I got my master's in clinical social work. Clinical social work just being the kind of sect of social work that is for therapy, for people who want to go be a therapist. So I got my master's degree, graduated, did all that. And so obviously with with such an emphasis and with such a plan of doing this from ages 12 to 18, you know, it was my plan. It was, this is what I'm doing. I am going to be a therapist. I'm going to help people the whole night, right? So I have been fascinated for a long time with this idea of uh, people's personalities and the way people are wired, right? The way God made us, the way that we interact with each other. I find the way that people respond terribly interesting. Like I could sit and people watch I, I'm going to say I love to, it sounds kind of maybe weird and creepy, but it's true. I love to like dissect why people do the things they do. Uh, some people call that psychoanalyze and whatever. I just, I don't know. It's just kind of the way my brain works. I'm sure it's super annoying to a lot of people, but whatevs, it just is what it is, right? 
So I love to just like really think through why is someone responding that way? You know, like what triggers did they have or what happened in their childhood to set them up to feel like they needed to respond in that way? You know, and in what ways is is this person trying to protect themselves? And in what way is this person trying to kind of survive the situation, if you will, by responding in this way, by having this body language, by using that tone of voice, by choosing the words that they chose, by choosing to either continue to engage in the conversation or withdraw from the conversation. All of that is super fascinating to me. So uh, with that and with this kind of incredible interest that I had for so long, it really just continued. And so even though I had decided that, you know, professional counseling, so to speak, wasn't for me professionally, like that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, uh, at least not in the context that I was doing it, my desire to understand people and to understand relationships and, you know, interpersonal dynamics and all of that, it never wavered. And so with that, I think what happened is it was a really kind of a switch from being super interested in why other people do things. And then it started to be a little more introspective and it started to be like, okay, well, why do I do this? And I think that's what gets really scary, right? Like, if we can just be super duper honest with each other and super real right now, which is how I always want to keep it here on The Fruitful Life, like we can always pick apart other people. That's easy. That's simple. We are really, really good at that as people, right? We're really good at just being like, oh, well, look at her. Look at what she did. And it's hard though really hard and honestly painful when we have to take the magnifying glass to ourselves. And I think that I was not ready to do that. And even just talking about this right now, you guys, it gets me teary. It gets me emotional to think about how for years I really wanted to be so focused on why other people do the things they do. And I I think I wasn't ready. I think there was an element of me not quite being brave enough, probably not quite strong enough. And really, I think too, there was an element of not being ready to face the music of what I would find because you, you open that door, right? You open Pandora's box and there's an element of, you're not going to be perfectly prepared for it, but like you at least have to know that something's coming, right? That it, it could get a little cray cray up in here. Like it could get super uncomfortable. It could get incredibly depressing. It could get super hard. It could get emotional, whatever those things are. And so I think I just wasn't ready for that for a while. And what I have found and what I really believe is that most people aren't ready to do that work early on in their life. And some people, they, they, might not actually verbalize that they're not ready, but but you can tell, you know, by their actions and by what they say and how they respond to things that they're really not quite ready to, to kind of do that deep level heart work. So for me, what had happened is, uh, you know, I had Landon at age 24. I had Charlotte a year and a half later, and then I had Aiden a year and a half after that. So I was, gosh, 28 I think 28 and I had three kids at the time. Landon was a preschooler. 
Charlotte was a toddler and Aiden was a newborn. And I was a stay-at-home mom. And obviously with my babies being that little and things were crazy, it was kind of like a blur. It was like this really sweet kind of like, um, you know, Beyonce so crazy in love. Like I was so crazy in love with my babies, you know, was like drunk with this love and affection for them. And I was kind of drunk on this beauty that was this almost like cocooned state of being a stay-at-home mom. And at the time we were living, um, quote unquote, up north (laughs) in Michigan, which is just the northern part of Michigan, right? And we were living in a smaller community, um, not quite totally rural, but more rural, just small town. And there, we were surrounded by people who were uh, farming and had land. And so I was doing things like homemade everything. Okay. I was making our laundry detergent. I was, oh gosh, I was doing homemade almond milk. You guys, like I was, I was deep in the, I was deep in the DIYs. All right. Uh, clothes, you guys, when I, so not only did I, this is so funny to me now. Um, not only was I making homemade laundry soap, but I was literally line drying our clothes as in when it was nice, which isn't Michigan is not warm for much of the year. Okay. But when it was, so from let's say late spring to early fall, I would take our clothes from the washing machine and I would, we had a clothesline, Jason put a clothesline up for me and with clothespins was literally hanging up our wet clothes to line dry them like crunchy, 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 so granola. And this is even before I found essential oils, which is hilarious. But anyway, so that was kind of the vibe, right? That was that was my life. So I was very much Susie homemaker, homemade everything, really doing the deep dive into what it looked like to be be kind of crunchy and homemade and DIY and the whole thing. Jason was a youth pastor at the time and I was helping him. Uh, we like to say that I was like his right-hand woman. You know, I was super duper involved and I loved it. It was such a sweet season of life for us. We had this amazing supportive church community. Um, we really felt supported and rallied behind People were very supportive of uh, the youth ministry as a whole and what we were doing and just us as people and our family. We had people come alongside us who began to feel like family, um, even though we weren't blood related. And it was it was just a really sweet season. So in the midst of all that, I was feeling very fulfilled in my role as a mom. I was feeling fulfilled in my role as Jason's wife. I was feeling fulfilled in my role at church that I had a lot of purpose. I was a girl small group leader. I actually led several uh, small groups of of teenage girls. I would sometimes preach um, or or teach on uh, you know, our our youth group nights and things like that. And just really being so intimately involved with the youth group and leading and kind of being like, you know, one of the main female leaders for the teens up there. So in this, even though there was a lot of contentment that came, I think there was also the realization that you know, it was, it was a sweet kind of, like I said, cocooned season, but then 
I think I started to be like, man, you know, I did go to school. I do have my master's degree. And then I think I started to feel some tension as far as like, this is a really great what's happening right in front of me. And this is really beautiful. And I'm super thankful for it. But I wonder if there's anything more. And I think it just kind of came to a point where not to a level of total discontentment at that point, but just of like a beginning stages of of yearning to just expand my brain a little bit more and to kind of use some of that brain power and my mind and my education and all of that. So with that, I really started contemplating, and I don't even know when, you guys, because I was like so tired. I was so sleep deprived with Aiden, our our youngest. But apparently I found some fringe hours and then I started kind of contemplating this idea of like, is there anything after this? Like, yes, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom and that's so awesome and that's so fulfilling and it's wonderful and, and, and all the things, right? But is there anything else? Like, is there something else for me professionally? Is there something else I'm supposed to do with my life? Kind of what's my calling and, you know, all of those types of things. So as I started really thinking about that, I just started looking into some different books and resources that were coming out. I really feel like God aligned different things. This was also the time. So this was uh, 2013. So, you know, six years ago when this airs, And at the time, there were a lot of resources coming out about this because I think collectively as women and specifically as Christian women, I think we were finally getting the courage, meaning us Christian women um, who would maybe fall into the quote unquote, like more conservative camp, right? Kind of Bible believing, like whatever camp. I think we were finally getting the courage to be like, you know what? Like raising my kids is awesome and beautiful. And I'm so grateful but what does it look like to do something for me? What does it look like to live out my gifts? What does it look like to understand more of how God wired me apart from and in being a mom? So I think as this courage was kind of rising up, and I say courage because I became a Christian at 13. So I I was not raised a believer. I was not raised in Christian culture, okay? Like there, there were no worship songs played at my house. I did not know Christian music existed until I was 13 years old. You know, I, I didn't grow up going to an evangelical church. Like I did not know I was not exposed to Christian culture really in depth until my twenties. So that to say my best understanding, because I've, I've talked extensively with so many people about this topic is that you know, in the 80s, I think in the early 90s, there was very much this sense of like, if you are a Christian woman, you are to raise your children. Your goal in life is to be a mom. And that is your calling. And that is your greatest calling. And that is your highest calling. And then I think with our generation, I think that there were enough of us women who were like, that's great if God allows us to be a mom. But he doesn't allow everyone to be a mom. And what if everyone's not a mom? Like, is there is somehow their female life worth less? And of course, I would say, and I'm sure many of you would, a resounding um, no. <laughs> we all have value. We all have worth. Your worth and your identity 
is not and should not be wrapped up in are you a parent or not, right? Like you are so much more than that. And so I, I think this conversation in and of itself is a difficult one to have a lot because it brings up a lot of really theological questions. But more than that, I feel like it brings up a lot of preferences. And I think a lot of times, especially as believers, we tend to confuse our preferences with right and wrong. We tend to confuse our preferences with God says, or this is sin, this is God's will, this is not. And at the end of the day, I think we would all do well just to acknowledge when things are truly preferential and maybe have nothing to do or or little to do with is this right or wrong, you know? And I think this is one of those one of those topics. And so anyways, at the time around 2013, uh Jenny Allen was a huge 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 influence in my life. The If Gathering had just come out and you guys please look her up. She came out with this book called Restless. And she came out with a workbook that went with it. And that was my starting point. So if you guys want to know and you're like, yeah, I want to start kind of this walk down. Who am I? Who did God create me to be? How did he wire me? Uh, What is calling? Do I have a calling? Does it have anything to do with career, job? What does this look like? I would definitely start with the book Restless by Jenny Allen and get the workbook for sure. So that's where I started. And it was a really, really great starting point for me. Also at that time, Rebecca Lyons uh, had wrote a book called Free Fall to Fly. I read that one, devoured it. And it wasn't the same, but it was a similar theme of Restless. And then there was a Parker Palmer book I also read called Let Your Life Speak. So those ones were really great. There was also a book called The Artist's Way, which I really want to go through again. But all of this, it all kind of came to a climax for me at this time. So I was devouring these books and I was reading this and I was processing and I was praying through it and I was staying close to the Lord and I was processing all this with Jason. He's always been my greatest sounding board, my biggest cheerleader um, since I've known him. And that's been such a blessing. So for me, it's really helpful. I'm very much a verbal processor. So if you're a verbal processor... I would really encourage you to find someone safe that you can process with, whether if you're in counseling or you know you need to go to counseling, process it with your counselor. If you have a husband like I do who's walking with Jesus, you know, loves the Lord and is a good listener, like will actually look you in the eyes and truly care what you have to say, process it with your husband. That would be amazing. If you have a best friend or a mom or a sister who's walking with the Lord and, you know, would really hear your heart, then I would encourage you to process that with her. But for me, I have to process things verbally. I have a journal and I actually have been journaling since, goodness, I think elementary school. My journals used to look like, and obviously that was before I knew Jesus, right? Just like straight up journaling, kind of traditional, like, dear diary, this is my day, which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But now my journaling more looks like prayers and I just make everything into a prayer. So if I have something to say or something I want to process, I just process it as a prayer. So for example, instead of just writing down, this is going on in my business, I'm not quite sure what to do, here are my options, I'll more phrase it like just a conversation with God. I just turn into a conversation with the Lord. So I'll say something like, 
God will, first of all, like thank him. I usually really try to start off my, my entries and my prayers in general with just with gratitude. And so I'll thank God for, um, you know, his character, what he's done in my life, what he's going to do. And then I'll say something like, you know, God, this is going on in my business and I just really need you to give me wisdom. So God, I just pray in Jesus name that you would provide me wisdom and discernment over X, Y, and Z, and then, you know, might go into more details. While I do that, and I I do that a lot in written form, I also will just like talk to God. So I'll just pray out loud sometimes. Praying silently doesn't really work that well for me. And it's because I get so distracted. And then I'm like squirrel, squirrel all the time. Can't do it. So for me, when I write out my prayers, it helps me to stay super focused. And then my second kind of plan of action is praying out loud. If I have time in the car by myself, which is not often at all. But when I do, that's also my favorite time to pray is in the car out loud. I I can focus really good when I'm driving. Yeah, so I will do that, but I still need to process things verbally. And so that was super duper helpful for me. So in the book, Restless by Jenny Allen, she goes into a lot of what were things like when you were a kid? Like, what did you love doing? What made you come alive? And she also talks about specifically, and I think this part here is so crazy important. She talks about how we need to look at our life as a kid before we hit about the age of 13 or 14. And the reason for that is because around the age of 13 to 14, and you could make a really good argument that it's way sooner now for kids, but you know, we start we start getting influenced way too soon and way too easily about who we are, what we should do, what we need to do, you know, all that stuff, right? So I love that she talks about when you were, let's say, 7 to 12, what did you love when you did this thing, fill in the blank, that you felt alive, you felt like free and like you had peace and joy and fulfillment? What were those things for you? And then to dive in a little bit more of like, what could that look like for you as an adult? So that whole process, and that's obviously just the tip of the iceberg guys, but that process for me really helped to uncover and unpack a lot, which was super helpful. And that just really led me on a continued journey that I've obviously been on now for six years of really trying to understand how I'm wired and who God made me. And not just for that as an end in and of itself, but on my good days, and as I like to say, when I'm not totally operating in my flesh, right? When I'm not completely self-absorbed, and we all get like that, right? Like we're human. This is human nature. But really, my heart and my intent is how can I honor God? It gets me choked up. How can I live my life in such a way that I am pleasing Jesus, and that I am pointing people to him, not because I have to get on his good side, not because I can earn brownie points with him, or that there is some merit to be earned with the Lord. That is a lie. It is not true. But just because of how good he is, how faithful he's been to me, the mercy that he has shown to me, how can I live my life in a way to say thank you? How can I live my life in a way that's going to point other people to the truth and the peace and the joy and the hope I know, amen and amen, for the rest of my life, right? And so, 
Yes, I definitely can get into the cycles where I'm, I get very self-indulgent. I get very inward focused and, and not in a pretty way. Okay. Not in like, a, oh, that's like a cool self-growth. No, like it can, it can legit get super murky in those waters of being self-absorbed and yeah, just not pretty. So I can get like that then when I'm able to kind of look at the situation, look at my life kind of on an overhead view, if you will, then I'm able to step back and say, okay, Laura, what is your actual motivation behind doing this? And if it's to make yourself look better or anything of the sort, then you literally have to cut it out right now. So There's been so many things for me that have been helpful over the years, but I would say, and I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to keep having more conversations about this because I love this topic, you guys. Also on a side note, can you guys DM me on Instagram and can you comment on my latest post and just tell me like, hey, I listened to this episode that you did and you were talking about personal growth and development. And like, I would love it if you would cover this topic. Like, would you guys do that for me? That would just be awesome because I want to cover the things that you guys want to hear in the conversations that you want to have. Okay. But what I'm going to end with is this, the thing that has been most helpful for me over any book, any podcast I've listened to, any sermon I've heard and like anything. Okay. Training, you name it. Spending time with Jesus. Here's the thing, when we spend time in the word and we know God's character more and more, no, it's not going to look perfect. No, it's not going to always look pretty and, you know, tied with a bow. But when we spend time with Jesus specifically in his word, because that is how we get to know him. Prayer is awesome, right? Prayer is how we can commune with God. We can connect with him on such a personal level because we are talking to him and hopefully we can sit and we can listen to what he has to say to us. But how we get to know the Lord, who he is, what he is like, what he has done and what he's going to do, that is in the word, that is in the Bible. So for me, as I have spent time with Jesus and gotten to know him. That only comes from time in the word. And here's what I mean by that. The more you read the Bible and you go through the different Bible passages and the different Bible stories, it's like peeling back this onion, which is the never ending layers, right? The beautiful, awesome layers of the Lord. And you see how he responds in situations. You see and you hear for yourself the actual words that he used. Also, you see what did he decide to include in scripture? That says something in and of itself, right? And then from there, it becomes a lens in which you can view the world and in which you can understand and then discern moving forward how he created humanity, like everyone, what it means to be a believer for those of us who have said, yes, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that he's God. I believe that he died for my sins, rose again, conquering sin and death. Yes. For those of us who fall into that camp, 
We, of course, have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us every day. And with that, His Word is it is truly a lamp to our feet, you guys. It is not just some cliche saying. And so really and truly is spending that daily time with God. If you don't know God intimately, you're not going to know who you are because you will never know yourself apart from God. You will never know yourself apart from God. So I would just encourage you today, if you are like, I want to take a first step. I'm not really sure what that looks like. I do want to know more of how God wired me and how he made me. And I I do want to explore this whole idea of like, how can I live a life that pleases him? How can I serve others? Doing it in a way that is my fit, you know? Then here's what I would say. Say, first of all, just take time to wake up a little bit earlier every morning. That's usually the easiest way to go. If you are super groggy in the morning and you can't even with the morning, go ahead and do it at night. Just do it. Like it just doesn't matter when you do it, you know, but for most people waking up a little bit earlier, 15 minutes earlier, and just get in the word um, and start with the book of John. If you have no clue where to start and just read a chapter a day. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Literally just read a chapter a day, the book of John, get to know the Lord and don't make excuses for yourself and just do it. And then I would say to uh, start with the, pick up the book Restless by Jenny Allen and the workbook, really, really good. I think that's going to help you guys a lot. So I can't wait to hear uh, your guys' feedback on this. And I'm hoping I get my an inbox flooded saying, Laura, I started reading the book of John and it's been so helpful for me or, I, you know, got the restless book. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, that would definitely be my recommendation. All right, guys, until next time. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you'll consider subscribing to the Fruitful Life podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing it some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thank you so much for tuning in. To stay in touch with all things Fruitful Life, you can check out lifeasalowen.com or follow me on Instagram, lowen.